This will be our, our third message in Colossians. Uh, as you can tell, Brian's gone, Wes is gone, and Christ, Christian's here, which maybe we wish he was gone. Not really, no. <laughs> I kid with him. Uh, but uh, they're all gone but Christian and I, so <laughs> this is it. So, sorry. Uh, but Brian should be back next week. I, if you're visiting with us this morning, I'm one of the pastors here. My name's Gary, and uh, it's a privilege to share God's Word with you. You know, I do want to uh, emphasize again, happy Father's Day. I, I know I, I love uh, being a pastor, but I really love being a dad. Uh, my kids are, are grown now and married, and, uh, but I, I'll tell you, it, nothing was more sweet to me than being uh, a father. I, I, I haven't figured out yet, but I still uh, am thankful for the perfect example of the Heavenly Father. And that's what I remember trying to emphasize to my hey, Don't look at me, I'm as messed up as anybody, but the perfect father is who we need to look to. And I, I just encourage us this morning, dads, we have such an impact and opportunity to, to, to influence our kids. In fact, there is influence. Many of you, if we'd ask, uh, even if your dad was absent, there was an influence. And possibly uh, it wasn't an impact for, for the good, but you bring hurt or hope, dads. Never forget that. You bring uh, sadness or gladness. Good memories or not so good. The love of God or maybe pride or destruction. So we have a great influence. And as we think of this message today... It's really a message that's geared toward all of us, but boy, dads, if we could take root of this message and, and seek to let it live, be lived out in our lives, because the emphasis this morning is on prayer. And uh, men, if we're men of prayer, uh, we, we can do great things for the Lord, and, and, and I believe our kids can do great things for the Lord. So uh, let's take that to root as we think through this. And in Philippians, or excuse me, in, in Colossians chapter one, Paul uh, starts out with a with a prayer. And what's kind of cool is, in, in the prison epistles that he writes, uh, Philippians and Ephesians and and Philemon, and of course this one, he he begins with a prayer, and the prayer is very much. Uh, the same, but the wording's a, a little different. But it's it, the emphasis is it, it, is on the importance of of praying uh, for the church and how he prayed for this church in Colossae. So here you go, your introduction. Prayer is a privilege bought through the blood of Jesus Christ, and prayer is simply communicating, talking to God. And it was a vital part of Paul's life, and it should be a vital part of our life this morning. Uh, it's a challenge to pray. And the cool thing about prayer is it, it gives us a great opportunity to seek God and to make requests of God, and, and we'll see answered prayer throughout the scriptures. And there's one of my favorites in, in the book of Joshua. In Joshua 10, uh, this is said. It says, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun, get this, stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself 
and its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashur. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it since. So here we have Joshua who requests, hey, God, we need a little more time to do battle. So God, he says, can you make the sun stand still? Give us more daylight. And God did that. So, so God answers prayer. And as we think of prayer this morning, as we think of this specific prayer, it's, of course, a prayer that Paul offers to the church in Colossae. And the focus of this prayer is on spiritual blessings rather than material or physical matters. Now, those are good things to request of the Lord, too. But, but, but the, the, the spiritual here is a very important matter to us as we seek the Lord, as we pray to the Lord. In fact, dads, as, as we think of our children, more important than anything is, is that you give to them a spiritual inheritance, and you can do that as you petition the Lord and ask him in prayer. Last week when Brian talked about the, the second message and, the, and how he talked about Epaphras, and he mentioned Epaphras uh, in verse 7 of Colossians 1, and that's where we're at this morning. And, 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 and Epaphras was the spiritual leader of this church in Colossae. In fact, he was the pastor and it says this about him. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So, again, Epaphras, and something else about Epaphras I'd just like to point out quickly. If you're in chapter 1, just go over a couple pages to chapter 4 in Colossians and look at verse 12. And notice what's said about this leader, about this pastor. It says, Epaphras, verse 12 who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, he sends greetings and he's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Think about that. Epaphras was continuing wrestling in prayer. And the idea is that he's just uh, disciplined and, and diligent and, and, and willing to, to lay himself out there and ask God to do a great work through this church. And we can do that as well. We can wrestle in prayer for one another. And what a great opportunity that we have as we think through that. So uh, Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, that'll be our section of Scripture this morning. And, and, and there's two parts uh, that I found in this. And the first part is this. He, he offers, first of all, a prayer of petition. A prayer of petition. For this reason, verse 9 says, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. As Paul's sharing his heart with this church, his desire for them is that they know Jesus. Not know about Jesus, but that they know Jesus. That they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And that will of God only comes when there's 
a wisdom and an understanding. And, and it comes, look at that last part of verse, verse 9, that the Spirit gives. That idea of the, the Holy Spirit that, that maybe scares people at times, but, but it shouldn't. The, the Holy Spirit is, is God. And the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 6 says, for to set the mind in the flesh is death, but when you set your mind on the Spirit, you get life and peace. So, so when we know God, when we know his will, when we seek his will, it, it, it comes when we are, are spirit-led and we let the Spirit guide us, who gives us life and peace. Now, now how does this happen in the life of a believer? Well, uh, first of all, there, there needs to be a desire for it. You need to have a want to of having the Spirit in your life. Now, of course, not everybody has the Spirit of God in their life. What happens when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, the Spirit takes up residence in your life. You, you, you get on the right team. You, you go from the devil's team to God's team. The, the, the Spirit indwells you. At, at the age of 16, that's when the Spirit came into my life. I, I, I recognized my need of Jesus. I surrendered to Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit moved into my life. And, and, and thankfully, he started to nudge out the flesh. And, and life and peace has come. So, so it's important that we all have a, a time where we've given our life to Jesus when the Holy Spirit has indwelt your life, has, has taken up residence in your life. So as the Spirit's guiding us, we have that desire of God to seek Him. We have that dependence on the Spirit to guide us and to give us direction. The scriptures are also important in this, having an understanding of God's word, to, to learn the truth of God's word, to, to, to let it become part of your life. Of course, that's why it's important that we read his word. And, and see, we choose at times, I believe, to be de dependent on many things. We, we depend on our feelings. And that gets you in trouble at times. We, we, we let pride, we let circumstances sometimes get in the way. Sometimes we even let the influence of other people get in there. And, 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 and those people can distract us from learning the truths and living out the truths that, that, that God has for us. So it, it's knowing these truths and then it's applying these truths. And that's where I get in trouble because I'm not, uh, I know a little bit about the Bible, and the parts that I know about from the Bible, I need to apply to my life. But that's where I get in trouble. I, I don't let those parts just sink in and, and take root in my life. So the Holy Spirit gives us his direction. The Holy Spirit leads us to Scripture. In fact, I thought this was cool. In John 16, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit in your life is even better than having Jesus in your life. Of course, they're the same, 
But, but what the, 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 the idea of John 16's teaching is that the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be that comforter. He's going to be that helper. And having him with you, it's better than Jesus. And, and that's a cool thought to think about, that we have God in our life to lead us, to, to guide us, to indwell us, and to, to give us that knowledge to, to let our lives be controlled and to live a life that's righteous. So, as we look at this prayer and continue to work through it here, uh, God loves prayer to be part of our life. He loves us to intercede with him and to talk to him and to make it a daily part of our lives. And as, as this prayer is in there, the, the, the power that comes to the Holy Spirit, there, there's some specific traits that come out in this section of scripture that, that are produced in your life, that are, that are part of your life. And the first part is, the first one I'd like us to consider is that verse 10, it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So a walk that's worthy. A, a, a worthy walk is, is one of those traits that comes out of a, a life that's being spirit-filled. Now, in the Bible, when walk is, is mentioned, the idea of walk is, is how one lives their life. It's a mind that's controlled by the knowledge of God's will. It's listening to Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit give you that wisdom and understanding. In 1 Thessalonians 2, we're, we're encouraged by Paul that we should walk worthy of the Lord. In Philippians 1, verse 27, we're told to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of of the gospel. In other words, our walk should match our talk. What we say should be lived out in what we do. So having a, a knowledge and, and knowing the will of God and then doing the will of God. You know, Galatians 2 verse 20, this is a great spot for Galatians 2 verse 20. Because it, it, it talks about the believer and, and, and how the believer can walk. And, and, and it tells us why. Because we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So as we walk, we recognize the importance of, of Christ living on us, Christ living through us, and it's him that gives us the strength to walk the way we're to walk. Now, now what's, what would this walk look like? What are some evidences of this walk? And there's a list there in your handout to, to work through with me this morning. The, the, the first thing we should do when we're walking with Christ, we walk in good works. Good works should be part of our life. Ephesians 2.10 fits perfectly here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So are good works coming out of your life? Dad, mom, those of us here this morning... Are you walking, and does your walk match your talk? You're to walk in good works. Now, works won't save you. We know that. 
Verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians tells us that. But they will be the result of of, of being a follower of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit indwelling you. So you, 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 you walk in good works. Ephesians 4 tells us that we're to walk in humility. We're to walk in humility. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a character trait of a follower of Jesus that they're, they're just a, a, a way of just not telling everybody how great you are. I remember a baseball coach I had in high school. His name was uh, Walt Dursey. And I always appreciated him because everything he wanted us to do as a coach, like run laps or, or do whatever we were, uh, he wanted us, he'd do it with us. And this guy, was, he was old, man. He was like 50. And uh, <laughs> he, that is old, right? Um, but, but, you know, he, he would say stuff like this because, you know, we tend to be, I remember a, he had us hitting off of a batting tee. If you know baseball, you know that's the thing. And I remember one day telling him, yeah, I don't think that tee helps us too much. And, uh, you know, I just thought a, a live pitch was better. And, and you know what? He, he, he said, Marburger, who do you think you are that you know more than what the pro players do? They hit off the tee and they practice this way. And again, he, he, he had a great line. He said, don't tell me how great you are. Show me. And, uh, you know, we, we think we're, we've arrived, and sometimes uh, that gets in the way of a, of a humble walk. And the Lord Jesus wants us to walk in humility. And then he wants us to walk in the light. Walk in the light. And in Ephesians 5, 8 says, we were once darkness. Again, that's before the Holy Spirit, before Christ. But now your light in the Lord live as children of light. So, we should brightly shine for the Lord Jesus. Our life, again, should, should match what the scriptures teach about him being light. When we're in the light, we have fellowship with each other. There's, there's harmony. Another evidence of a worthy walk is purity. There's, there's a purity in your life. You're, you're, you're pure with your words, with your actions, with your finances, with your, your church attendance. You're, you're a pure person in what you do and how you conduct yourselves. Romans 13, 13 tells us that. You walk in love. You walk in love. Ephesians 5, 2 tells us that. You walk in wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 tells us that. Again, all these evidences of a worthy walk. There's good works. There's humility. You walk in the light. You walk in purity. You walk in love. You walk in wisdom. And, then, and of course, there's others. But the last one I'd like to mention is you walk in truth. The truth of the word of God is part of you. And I love what John says in 3 John. It says, it gave me great joy. And he's talking to, 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 to us really this morning. When some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. And then he says, I have no greater joy than my children are walking in the truth. I know as a, as a dad, as a granddad, you know, my hope is that my kids walk in truth. That, that, my, that my grandkids walk in truth. And, and again, it, you, you want them to be worthy. You want them to join you in heaven. And I think sometimes we want all these things for our kids. We want them to be great in sports and great in academics. And again, these are okay things. I love sports. 
you know, academics, not so much. But, but you know, all these things are things that, that, that are okay, but they're not the important thing. The important is that, that they're walking in truth. Because, you know, walking in truth is, is how they can know the Lord Jesus. So Paul takes prayer seriously. And, and, and prayer is important that we offer it to God. And as we look at this prayer, uh, stay with me. The second part of verse 9 says, For we have not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And it says in verse 10, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, Please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So as we think of that prayer, we think of it this way. And think of a conversation maybe you can have with those that are close to you and say, you know, I'm praying for you. That, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and that you and I would know his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us. All day long, if, if we listen, and I pray this so that we can, if we choose, we can live a life that's worthy of the Lord and we can live a life that really pleases him. And I'm praying you and I will bear fruit as we walk with Jesus and as he leads us as we study God's word. And I pray that you and I will be strengthened with all God's power and stay strong in Jesus through endurance and patience. It won't be easy, but I pray that we can be strong together. And boy, as we offer prayer, as we have that opportunity to pray over our kids and pray over our, our spouse and, and pray over our grandkids, I'm doing a study with a fellow in our church. Uh, his name's Chip, and you probably have met Chip. He talks a lot, and uh, that's a good thing. No, he comes to this gathering. But, but Chip, I, I don't mean you talk a lot. It's what you say is good. Uh, but, but we're doing this book together. It's a, it's a man book, and one of the thoughts in this book is cool. It says, a lot of thoughts in it are really good, but this is one. It says that we're to be a generational connector intercessor. And think about that that we're to be a generational connector and intercessor. And we have this opportunity to, to connect with, with the next generations and, and to be faithful as we intercede for them. Walk well as we walk worthy. Uh, another thought to this, char uh, character trait number two, that we're to be fruitful. That's the long point, by the way. They're not all that long, Okay. Uh, that we're to be fruitful. And, and I know that because it says that in verse 10. In the second part, it says, bearing fruit in every good work. So a righteous life leads to a fruitful life. And it's, again, a mark of a believer. And John 15 gives us a, a, a great place to where we can see uh, the importance of abiding with the Lord Jesus so we do produce fruit. And uh, God's glorified, and it's a recognition in our life that we're disciples if we're bearing fruit. But, of course, Galatians 5 is where we see the fruit that should come out of a believer. 
There should be love. There should be joy. There should be peace. There should be patience. There should be kindness. There should be goodness. There should be faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's a fruitful life. And again, abiding in Christ and staying connected to him in, in, in the vine, we can produce fruit. I love what James says. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. So again, stay close to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus as, as we seek to be fruitful in our lives. And then there's growth. We grow in knowledge. Verse 10 also says, the, the knowledge of God. And that that is important as we grow in him, that there's, there's again, that obedience uh, to him, that, that obedience. And, and in Psalm 119, we see a lot on this point, how we could apply it to on growing in obedience, growing in faith. But it, but it says in Psalm 119, verse 4, he's laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed, that we may be steadfast and obey his decrees. So again, Growing in him is important. We, we grow in him as we stay connected to him and as we stay close to him. And then there's two more character traits. There's, there's strength. There's strength. We're, we're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. The power that we have as followers of Christ. The power that comes. As followers of Christ. You know, uh, in Acts 1, verse 8, you know, the church is just about to start in Acts 2. And in Acts 1, uh, the, the, the challenge that's being given to the, the disciples about his power is verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power comes when we are strengthened by him. That, that, that hope we have through him as we trust him with our lives. And then the, the final thought to this character trait number five is there's endurance. You, you endure. You're just able to keep moving. You're able to keep going forward. You're, you're able to finish well so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, strength and endurance come when we abide, when we abide, when we stay connected to him. And, and, and I love the examples, again, in Scripture that we get. In Acts 4, you know, we, 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 we pick up some thoughts about Peter and John, and it says this about them. They were, when they saw the courage of Peter and John in Acts 4, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, as you think of this thought here, is that they, they, they weren't anything special, but they were special because they were filled up with Jesus. And, and because Jesus was leading their life, they, they, could, they could endure, and they could press on, and they could press in to the challenges that God had before them. So, verses 9 through 11, 
we see this prayer of petition that's mentioned here. And then he brings out praise to them. A, a prayer of praise to God. Now, now, this prayer of praise in verses 12 through 14, you know, it, it's, it's threefold. It's, it's threefold. And, and, and the first thing that, that he's praising for Paul is forgiving us an inheritance. Forgiving us an inheritance. It says in verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. Now, you know, maybe you've been blessed financially with an inheritance from an uncle or an, uh, a parent or a, a grandparent possibly, and that's okay. But you know, the best inheritance you can pass on is the spiritual inheritance, is, is to pass on Jesus to those uh, God's put in your circle of influence. So uh, that inheritance is, is very important that we pass it on. And, and as Paul's praising God this morning, uh, and he's, he's praising them, he, he says, forgiving that inheritance. And there's a couple thoughts I'd like to throw out here to you of, of of inheritance and how the scripture talks about inheritance. And there's, there's several others besides these three, but, but, but that inheritance is described as an eternal inheritance, heirs of eternal life, heirs of eternal life. And, and you know, uh, Titus 3 verse 7 says, so being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, salvation. Because of salvation, we have the hope that one day we'll live with him forever in eternity. There, there's, there's an eternalness to the inheritance we have. And then also, also grace. You know, we've been blessed with his grace by saving us. And, and I think it's important as we think of this inheritance that we, we not only receive the grace, but we give out grace. Because we've been blessed. We've been, we've been blessed much. And because of that, we should give out his grace. And we should recognize that as Paul's praising this morning for, for that inheritance, that it's, it's grace that's part of that. And then one more, uh, heirs of righteousness. Heirs of righteousness. And we see this in Hebrews 11. That idea of, of, of we have that opportunity because of him that have that righteous life that he desires for us. And, and he wants this church... And he wants us to, to, to pass this on to those God's entrusted to us. There's two more thoughts to this. In verse 13 it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's deliverance. He, he's praising for deliverance. Aren't you glad he's delivered us? To know that we have a hope to spend eternity with him. Delivered from darkness. Uh, the idea of this word deliverance here is to, to be snatched out of darkness. And because Jesus died on the cross for us, Satan's been crushed. And he's delivered us from his dark kingdom. He drew us out of Satan's kingdom to his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 we read, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
We've been delivered. And then he's redeemed us. Redemption. In whom we have redemption, verse 14, the forgiveness of sins. We've been redeemed. You know, we, we hear that word a lot. I, I remember singing that old hymn, For I've Been Redeemed. And the idea of the word redemption is, is that we've been bought out of the marketplace, the slave market of sin. Because of the shed blood of Jesus to purchase us, we, we, we've been redeemed. We, we've been forgiven of sin. And, and, and it simply, it's cool to think about it. It simply means that our debt has been canceled. Jesus paid it in full on Calvary, on the cross. And, and that debt ha, never has to be paid again. Our, our account has been settled. I like what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 103, verse 12, where it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Done. Closed. Paid in full. So as we think of this, as we think of this important part of our theology, this idea of redemption, why is it we let those sins that we know He's forgiven us of, keep us in bondage. And it's important that we recognize the, the victory, the obedience we have in Christ. And by being obedient to him and what he's done for us on the cross, we have been paid in full. He, he's not going to bring them up again. As far as the east is from the west, that's pretty far. So give thanks. As Paul thanked the Lord for this church and, and why he was thanking the Lord because of the inheritance, because of deliverance, because of, of, of redemption. It gives us a great prayer to hold on to as we do life in this day and age. So application. This example is a great model, a great place for us to, to live out prayer in our lives. In fact, look at them all. They're all in chapter one of, of the prison epistles in Ephesians and in Philippians and Philemon, and they just kind of, you know, are, are, are very much the same, but there's some wording that's different, but they give us a great place, a great, great model to, to, to petition the Lord. And as we think of this great book of Colossians, we see that it's, it's a book that, that, that talks about how supreme God is, how, how he is supreme. In James chapter 5, verse 17, I just remind us of this because it's good for us to know. Elijah was a human being. In other words, I think it's cool that James tells us he is a person, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain in the land for three and a half years. And then he prayed... And the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Prayer is a good thing. Prayer is a powerful tool God's given us. So we rejoice always, 1 Thessalonians 5. We pray continually, and we give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. As we reflect this morning, can you... Take a minute or two or some time 
and just thank God for his power. And you can ask him that you'd be a fruitful person as you grow and that he'd strengthen you and give you endurance as you do life. As you pray this morning, give him praise. Praise him for that inheritance that he's trusted you with. And how then you can give out that inheritance. How he's delivered you and washed you away, washed your sins away. So God, as we pray this morning, as we reflect on Colossians 1, we thank you for the example of the perfect father, Jesus. And Lord, as we have been reminded of of prayer this morning, help us do more than talk about it, but may it become part of our DNA. May prayer become part of our lives. May we realize it's a a blood-bought privilege and that we can talk to the creator of the universe. So Lord, help us be thankful people. Thank you for the privilege of prayer and the opportunities we have to to pray for each other. May we pray with our spouse if we're married and realize that that binds us together. May we pray with our kids and our grandkids because it binds us together. Help us be people of prayer. We love you. Dismiss us now as we seek to walk in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day. We're dismissed.